Hi there, my name is Wade Murray. Welcome to the Great Green North Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything about lawns with a Canadian twist. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Okay, so here we go. Episode number four of the Great Green North Podcast. Welcome all. And uh, today, once again, we are back with another episode of the Great Green North Podcast. And I'm getting more excited now because as these episodes keep coming, as we keep pumping out these episodes, um, the spring is getting closer. And especially for those in the southern United States, a lot of you are getting close to go time. Now, I know the weather for my U.S. friends has been more traditionally Canadian uh, considering that I know a lot of you in Ohio and, and uh, part of the kind of eastern, mid-eastern uh, U.S. states got whacked with a crazy uh, snowstorm this week, 24 inches. Uh, we have been whacked with a couple of snowstorms. Uh, we had a record-breaking 24 inches in less than 12 hours that I talked on last week's episode. And then this week, we just got hit by a ice plus snowstorm with another 20 centimeters. So uh, the city of Toronto has pretty much had more snow in the last two weeks than they've had in decades, in two decades. So this is definitely presenting a lot of concerns. So, you know, the snow is here. The moisture is here. We just need the warmth to bring in the lawn season. So just a reminder, for those of you who are new here, welcome to the Great Green North Podcast. This is the podcast where I help get your lawn to the next level, make it the green and best lawn on the block. So uh, what we do on this podcast is we have three segments. I give you an update on what's going on with my lawn, and then I ask you guys questions. You guys can send in your questions uh, care at gmail.com or my website, greatgreennorthlawncare.ca. <clears throat> and then we answer those questions as well as we end with our successes and failures segment where we talk about uh, successes and failures I have had um, in lawn care. So without further ado, reminder for those of you who are new here that you can subscribe to this podcast for a low price of $5 a month Canadian and that will get you episodes a week early plus bonus episodes once a month so the bonus episode of January will be out very soon so without further ado I think it's time to get into the show here Um, we're going to be talking about those who are quickly approaching go time in the update segment. So let's head into the first segment of the show. Snow, snow, snow. We are here sitting, I think we're sitting close to 36 inches of snow outside right now. So a lot of snow, more snow than we've had um, last year. Actually, no, last year we were close to 36 inches, but this is a lot of snow in a short period of time. And looking ahead at my forecast, um, we have about another 12, 15 uh, inches of snow coming in the next two weeks. However, we're, we are finally warming up. So in the last two weeks, we've been cold, cold, cold. We were sitting in the minus 20s during daytime highs, minus 30s during daytime not, uh, overnight temps. And that, that's uh, Fahrenheit, or Celsius, by the way. Sorry, not Fahrenheit. 
Um, and so it's been damn cold here, and uh, the cold finally broke this week, which then led to the ice that we got with the storm that hit midweek. But uh, the deep freeze and then the big thaw we had this week and then the freezing the freeze thaw does have me worried about snow mold as well as how much snow we are getting and the drifts that we're getting uh does have me worried i have a snow mold concern that we are going to be seeing that moisture forming underneath the snow definitely with the thaw that we had earlier this week we are probably seeing some moisture form underneath the snow. So snow mold is going to be something that I would say if you're anywhere in the Midwest, these areas that have gotten hit very hard with snow, and then you've got that big freeze thaw this week, definitely something to be thinking about and be looking for in the spring because I think that we're going to see some snow mold issues. As, and that is just all has to do with that freeze, big freeze thaw ice storm we had midweek where we went from almost minus 20 to uh, plus 5, and then back to minus 20 again in the span of three days. Temperature swings like that are just breeding ground for snow mold. So that's definitely something I'm worried about. Uh, finding places to put snow in my place is also beginning to become difficult. Uh, I, I Today, I went out with a snowblower and just had to push the snowbanks back because they were pushing their way into... Uh, the driveway but there's lots of houses I, I mean I live on a big property if I need to put snow somewhere I can put snow somewhere I can move it uh, but there's lots of houses smaller lots around me that are definitely running into issues where to put so um, looking ahead as I said uh, we are warming up so uh, we're heading into our standard February weather, which is normally hovering around like a minus five, minus two kind of mark, zero-ish. Uh, we normally kind of fluctuate a little bit in February. February is truly our last month of winter. Uh, normally, the longest our winter goes is to about mid-March, um, and then it, we're pretty much done by then. Um, but we can get snow all the way into May, and uh, we did get snow in May last year. Um, but yeah, uh, actually the last two years we got snow in May. But at the moment, uh, we're looking like winter is definitely going to be here for the better part of February. The snow is not going anywhere anytime soon. Which is also rare for my area. We normally get a lot of freeze thaw, so Mother Nature normally kind of gets rid of the big amounts of snow for us. So we normally don't have these buildup issues. But the last two winters, uh, we've had some buildup issues with snow. So when you hear me talking about people running out of running out of spots to put snow, I know for people in Buffalo and and uh, those kind of midwestern area. Uh, that's not that's not an issue, but for here for us, it's an issue here um, Also um, For those of you heading into go time Go time. What is go time? So go time is uh, When it is time to put down your pre-emergent when your soil temps have hit 50 degrees and you're ready to put down your pre-emergent So uh, there are some of you I know that are heading into go time Um so looking at the Greencast tool, it looks like my folks in North and South Carolina and Georgia are heading into go time. Now, most some of those areas are still considered warm season grass, depending on where you land. But I know that uh, like GCI Turf, which I believe is in South Carolina, um, 
those those can be you can plant uh, cool season grass. So those are transition zone areas. Um, so it looks like those people coming into the transition zone, um, you're getting close. Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas are are definitely beginning to warm up. Uh, it looks like your soil temps actually dropped a little bit uh, this week from last week or the last time I recorded a podcast. But definitely, like, it's something to start minding if you're living in that area. Start thinking about, uh, you know, when, what what's coming up? Where do I need to get my pre-emergent from? What am I going to do this year? Am I going to seed? Am I going to do pre-emergent? Those kind of things are definitely something to begin thinking about because from what I'm seeing in those areas, it looks like go time is coming quickly. So something to think about. And go time comes way faster than you, like, think it will, right? You're always like... The spring is coming. The spring is coming. But, uh, you know, even here in Ontario, um, when the snow melts, uh, there there's a long period of kind of cold, warm, cold, warm temperatures where everything just sits dead. And then as soon as the grass starts growing, uh, it's normally like as soon as soil temps at 50 degrees, it's normally like a couple couple of weeks at most. And then you're mowing again. So, like, it's not a lot of time. So definitely like, you know, it's something to keep mind of with go time is that uh, when it does come, your your lawn, you're pretty much into lawn season. As soon as that 50 degree hits, you're going to be putting down your pre-emergent. Then you might start watering depending on how dry your spring has been. And then after that, well, you're going to put down your fertilizer a couple weeks later. And then normally after you put down your fertilizer, it's a week or two and you're mowing so that's that's definitely something i'm looking forward to up here uh, i'm getting to that point maybe not as much as i have been in past years because i've had the podcast and because i kind of been more in the lawn care stuff last year i hit about mid-january i hit to the point where i was itching to go and mow um, I would be enjoying doing yard work right now and, and stuff like that, but uh, we're not there yet. I don't I don't think I'm totally there yet. I've also been doing a lot more snow shoveling this year, which uh, kind of keeps me busy enough and with work too. So it uh, keeps me busy enough. So I'm not looking forward to the spring with work and doing this lawn stuff. It's going to be a very busy season. So uh, without further ado... Uh, yeah, so for those people, North North and South Carolina and Georgia, I would say as if you are looking at your soil temp, what you can do is you can get a thermometer that you put in a chicken, a meat thermometer, and you can put that in the ground and take your local soil temp. So check the Greencast tool. I'll have it linked in the show notes down below. You can see what your soil temp will be. Um, and then as soon as you see that, uh, you, you can tell, uh, if it's go time or not and think historically too. Um, I mean, I don't live in these areas, so I don't know what historically your weather is normally like, but if this is like an abnormally warm spell for you guys, maybe wait a couple weeks. But if you're sitting here and you know, Jan end of January, early February is when you always did your pre-emergent, <clears throat> which I think you guys are pretty close to your historically warm time. And then just go for it. It is go time. Uh, you know, there might be temperature swings back and forth, but you want to make sure that you get that pre-emergent down to catch those weeds. So, uh, yeah. So without further ado, I think it's time to go in to the question segment. Uh, we had a big question this week 
Um, so we're going to be talking about it up here, and we got lots to talk about in this question segment. So without further ado, let's head into that segment right now. All right, so welcome to the question and answer segment. So we got a big question today, and I'm not going to be sharing the person's name or location because they asked me to do, not to do that for privacy concerns. But uh, for the podcast's sake, we're just going to call him Jack. So Jack wrote in to me, um, and he's having a he's he's a northern lawn. He's in Canada. Um, he is cool season grass. So the whenever you th- start to think about anything with your lawn, you need to eliminate three things first. Where's your location? What's your grass type? And what's your what's your weather like? So um, they are a Canadian lawn. Jack has a Canadian lawn. He has cool season grass, and um, he lives in Canada. So uh, Jack's biggest concern at this time is my lawn fills in slow off the start of the years, usually spotty throughout the entire season in specific areas. Um, it goes limp, meaning the mower does not have the aspiration to cut it at an even length, so it, it keeps folding over, so the, the grass that's folded over um, will not show the same height as the grass that isn't folded over. So here's what Jack does. He says he mows two to three times a week, sharpens the blades twice a year. Mowing height is about 3.5, three to 3.5 inches. Applies corn gluten pre-immersion in the spring. Doesn't have any dandelions. Applies four applications of fertilizer, early spring, summer, fall, and early November with Scott's water. Yes, I can improve my watering, so watering needs a little bit of improvement. Aerates around Labor Day and overseeds once a year. What seems to be going wrong with his lawn, Jack says he has bare, patchy, sparse growing habit of the lawn in some areas, no matter the seeding or overseeding. Not terribly spotty, but just won't get full. After mowing, sometimes required to lightly rake the lawn to fluff it up. Limp folded grass. So what I'm reading from this is there seems to be some sort of soil or nutrient problem or sunlight problem saying that there's limp or folded grass. Now, the other thing is Jack says he struggles with two honey locust trees. Their leaves are impossible to rake in the fall. I have a feeling they might be pretty good at taking the nutrients from the ground, but I do not want to cut them down. So... Now, there is trees and the lawn don't get along very well. And believe me, I know I have uh, 20, 122-year-old maple trees around my property. And these things are absolute beasts. And they create a lot of shade in my backyard, which can make stuff seeding and growing grass, especially in my side yard, very difficult. I also have quite a bit of walnut trees because... The walnut trees are natural to the area. And for those of you who don't know, walnut trees actually uh, mess with the pH of the soil. So this is another thing to think about with trees. Is it's not just have to do with shade. Trees can also do interesting things with the soil. So walnut trees give off a hormone from their leaves. And you can actually smell it. It's pretty potent in the spring when the pollination is happening. And I have pretty bad allergies so the pollination messes with my allergies and I just can't even stand smelling it and in the fall when you rake up the leaves you can actually smell the smell on the leaves too it smells like a strong decaying smell well these leaves when they hit the soil when they fall off the tree 
they actually release hormones which screw with the pH of the soil. So if you're trying to grow something under a walnut tree, it has to be something that's decently resilient. So hostas will grow and uh, other small, you know, indestructible, like hostas are pretty indestructible. Other small perennial plants like that will grow, but I tried to grow grass under this tree and it did not work. So that's something to think about. When I looked up problems with honey locust trees, the only thing that I could find, which was the immediate thought, uh, locust trees are actually an invasive species in Ontario um, and in a good part. Now, there are uh, locust trees that are native to our area. However, a lot of locust trees were brought over and they're invasive. And locust trees also have very invasive roots. They, uh, the way that they grow is they, they grow out roots from the bottom and then they send up stolons off those roots or nodes which then pop up in your soil and begin to grow another tree. So you can actually have an entire forest of honey locust trees but their roots are all interconnected. And this is what makes them invasive because their roots are so invasive, they'll actually kill out other more desired trees like maple trees and oak trees because their roots are so invasive, they basically attach themselves to each other and kind of kill everything else in the soil because they're like, they, they spread. They're basically, you know, in a, in a better way, they're kind of like a disease. They, they push everything out of the way and they spread where they want to spread. So uh the honey locust trees uh pretty good at taking nutrients from the ground yes they are probably sucking a lot of nutrients out of the ground those honey locust trees do have suckers uh which are the things that come up the nodes that come up in your lawn i don't know if if jack has any problems with nodes coming up in his lawn um i need to ask him that so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask a couple questions in this podcast because i know that uh jack um listens so uh jack do you have uh do you see nodes coming up in the lawn from these honey locust trees number one number two i don't believe that honey locust trees have very thick canopies but what would you say that your shade is like from these honey locust trees do you have dappled shade which is like you have shade spots but you have dappled sun in between spots of sun do you have full shade dense shade dense shade is like pitch black full shade is shady or do you have you know dappled sun or full sun so there's definitely different aspects i would think with honey locust trees you'd be dappled shade to full shade um but you're not sitting in like a dense shade that you would get from a maple tree so that would be my guess with uh some of the issues that's coming up with your lawn so let's talk about what i think is wrong with jack's lawn so number one the two biggest red flags that i see here is i think one number one as i talked about earlier the honey locust tree there seems to be something going on with that honey locust tree i either think that the honey locust tree is creating a heavy dense shade which is stopping sunlight because when i hear grass lying over there's two things that that can cause that problem so number one grass lying over can be caused by by lack of sunlight why does your grass grow vertically it's because your grass grows towards the sun so for those of you who don't haven't never noticed if it rains for like a period of three weeks and it's very very gloomy your grass doesn't stand up it just begins to lie over and it looks really crappy so in the spring 
that's what I like to call the grasses rain drunk because there's so much rain it's growing like crazy but does not know where to grow towards because there's no sun so grass likes to grow towards the sun that's why it stands up vertically so when there is no sun the grass does not know where to go so seeing that the grass is lying down that could be an issue with sunlight which could also be from the honey locust trees now there are ways that you can fix issues with sunlight without cutting down the trees now jack has said that he does not want to cut down the trees um there are ways you can fix by limbing the trees up so um i don't know how low the branches are on those honey locust trees but for bigger trees what you can do is you can raise the canopy to about like 20 feet off the ground so then anybody can clearly walk underneath the tree the basically the the canopy is where the the branches start coming out so you can raise the canopy of a tree um off the ground it's it's healthy um it helps the tree kind of air circulate around the tree it, it can be very healthy because sometimes if you have trees with very low hemming low hanging branches they're actually sucking nutrients from the tree and they're kind of more of like uh you know it's it's like uh if you got your finger half sliced off but it's still hanging on it's just better just to cut it all the way off so that's what can happen with trees with low hanging limbs so maybe if that is a solution if your sunlight is really one of the biggest problems one thing you could do is maybe prune up those honey locust trees a little higher limb them up maybe a couple more feet so you get more clearance you get more sunlight in your lawn but you still get to keep those nice trees if that's some the kind of tree you want another thing too if you don't want to get rid of the trees now because you're concerned about shade maybe think about planting a more desirable tree uh so maybe you try to plant a maple or something that's more of a uh, ni nicer looking tree than a locust tree. No offense to locust trees, but they're not the nicest looking tree. They're kind of gnarly looking. Uh, so uh, maybe you try to plant a more desirable tree or look into trees. You can go talk to tree specialists um, in your local area. Go talk to somebody at your conservation. They'll tell you native trees that will grow very well. And maybe try to plant one of those trees. Wait, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years until that tree kind of grows to the similar size that your locust trees were when you planted it and then you can cut down those locust trees and then you don't lose shade i mean obviously at one point you're going to lose some shade but it is a kind of idea um because the maple trees at my place are 122 years old um they are heritage trees they were planted at the turn of the century but because they are that old um we are seeing some of them now having some more health issues um, as some of you may know, when the tornado came through, we had a significant part of one of the trees fall on our house, uh, which caused a decent amount of damage. However, um, these trees, like we don't want to cut them down. They're heritage trees. Uh, we live beside an old schoolhouse and the trees are heritage towards that house. So, uh, what we ended up, we, we get them tr pruned regularly to help try to keep up the health of the tree as well as we have been planting new maple trees in between them every year we we get a new maple tree and we plant it in between so and the idea being that if you know god forbid we do lose one of the trees either in a storm or it gets sick and it has to come down due to safety concerns um there's at least a tree in between that can hopefully take the position of the tree that we had to cut down so that's something to think about right there um what is going on with those honey locust trees that's the first thing first red flag that i have when i heard grass lying down number two um what is how big is your lawnmower now jack says that he has a small not a large yard however 
I don't know if you're using a lawnmower like a 24 inch walk behind or if you're using like a 36 inch walk behind or if you have a riding mower. Um, riding mowers themselves cause grass to lie down. They're very heavy um, and they're really good for striping but the big fat back tires on my mower cause the grass to lie down. So if you are using a riding mower and you're noticing your grass is lying down and you're not in a yard where you necessarily need a riding mower, maybe think about investing in something smaller. Um, me personally, my front yard and side yard are not, I used to mow my lawn all by hand before I had a riding mower and my front and side yard are not necessarily huge enough. Like some spots, the riding mower is a little big. I have thought in the past about purchasing a larger walk behind mower, like a Toro Time Master, a 36 inch walk behind, that could maybe I could push mow those spots of the lawn to stop the the tire ruts from being indented into the lawn. Because you, all you have to do is mow once to leave ruts with a riding mower. They are decently heavy and our soil is decently soft. So that's red flag number one with lying down grass. Red flag number two might be. Um, are you varying your mowing patterns? So um, you need to make sure that you are mowing in different directions every other time you mow or every third time you mow. You need to change the direction you're mowing in because if you're mowing in the same direction every single time and you, especially if you have a striping kit and you're lying the grass over, you're actually training the grass that you prefer it to lie down in that specific direction and uh, that can cause issues uh, with, with your grass not standing up because you've trained it to lie down that way and then when you actually do try to cut it a different way uh, you end up uh, causing the grass to not stand up or it gets all frilly and it has to be raked as you said a lot of those issues so that is the second red flag that I'm thinking for lying down grass now those all have to do with uh, things that you like your inputs things that's going on with you now let's talk about what your what 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 you're 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 sitting on right now what you have so number one um is it a new build because i can say from experience i am a carpenter i used to frame houses um i watched them build an entire subdivision beside me and they do not put any topsoil or if they do put topsoil you get about six inches on top of the hard-packed, uh, you know, structural soil that they use to backfill your house. And not only do they backfill your house, but they're driving telehandlers and forklifts and everything they use to build your house, compacting that soil to the point where it's almost a dust or it's a hard crust. And that is not the type of soil that you want to see. So if you are trying to plant sod into a hard crust soil, you are going to be getting issues with with uh, you know structural integrity of the plant the, the plant another reason the plant will lie down is it doesn't have the nutrients it's receiving it's 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 you know it's as you said it's limp it's not hardy and strong and you saying that you have these patchy areas that are not filling in that is also making me think that you might have some sort of soil issue I don't know what kind of soil Jack has in his yard and this could also influence what is going on uh, with the soil. So um, let's if you have a new build, maybe you might be worth just grabbing a shovel. Um, 
the best thing to do when you have major lawn issues is dig so it might be worth grabbing a shovel and digging down into the soil to see what's going on down there if you have clay if you have sand i'm sure you might know that because if you've done any digging around your backyard you should find that but if you dig uh like like a 12 inch deep hole you should be able to see the transition from your topsoil to your you know structural soil if that is what's happening if there's a very thin layer of topsoil on top my house you have to go down about two feet before you hit uh there's no topsoil anymore and it, that's partly because of all the stuff I've done with my lawn. My soil is so rich at the top. And then the other problem is uh, they put a lot of topsoil on top when they built our house. So that is something to think about. Try to dig down and see what's going on there because maybe that might be something um, that you have a problem with or something to think about. Maybe that could be what is causing the issue. Um, I don't see any problem with your mowing habits. Maybe try to sharpen your mower blades a little bit more than two times a year. 3.3 to 3.5 inches seems great to me. Um, corn gluten's fine. No dandelions. The application's a fertilizer. Um, your early spring app, make sure that you're doing that pretty early in the spring. Make sure you're doing that like a couple weeks after you put down your pre-emergent. Um, your summer app. Now, I would like to... I, I normally don't call it a summer. I normally call it a late spring. Um, if you're doing that around Labor Day weekend, then that's perfectly fine. Or Memorial Day weekend for those American friends. But uh, I would definitely not recommend putting down any fertilizer after that weekend just because of how hot it can get. Uh, you don't want to be putting your stressing your lawn at a time of stress. Uh, for the fall app, um, I don't know when your fall app actually is, but I would like to see a late August application because if you did Labor Day, you need to give your lawn some nutrients coming out of your stressy season. And then your early November app, um, that seems a little late to me. Um, I would push that one back to about a mid to late October app. Um, because I think if you throw down in early November, you're probably not going to get uh, as much results as you did if you throw it down. You want to throw down just after your first major frost, um, and that for winterizer in your location should be somewhere near um, mid to late October. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely maybe push that early November app a little bit back. But you have your apps there. Um, you also said that uh, Jack's applications are with Scott's fertilizer. Um, now, I'm also going to recommend that if you're having some of these issues, maybe try to push to some of the products I've recommended, the Magic Carpet product that you can find at your local landscape depot or something you can find at Pavely Mart or a farm supply store. Um, and try, try to put down maybe, maybe this season, uh, for the 2022 lawn season, try to just put down an all purpose fertilizer. So a 16, 16, 16, every single app for your four apps. And I would also say maybe try to spoon feed in the spring. So maybe do three apps in the spring, but only put down like one pound, one pound of nitrogen per thousand. Uh, to try to spoon feed, see what you can do uh, with that. And then, uh, you know, uh, do uh, 
maybe kind of move to a couple of apps in the fall like you could spoon feed again in the fall or you could do liquids i don't know i'm assuming you really don't want to do liquids because you're using scott's products um so that's what i would say is maybe try to get an all-purpose product because the scott products are designed to feed a lawn that the soil is already decently well established and if you do have soil issues um that could be a problem uh so try to get an all-purpose fertilizer then you're covering your basis with everything and you're also making sure that you are getting some phosphorus in there to feed your roots because i believe that you do have root issues and that's why your grass is lying down watering yes i can improve my watering um make sure you're watering an inch to an inch and a half of water per week and it's deep and infrequent so water for an hour and a half instead of watering for 10 minutes water for an hour and a half two to three times a week instead of 10 minutes every day aeration on labor day sounds great to me that's normally around when i do it you can kick it a bit later into august if you want to because you do want to make sure that you get that overseed down um, before you get too uh too cold um the aeration too that would also make me wonder do you have soil compaction issues so if if jack has clay soil hard clay soil and you have soil compaction issues that could cause problems uh with what's going on in your soil as well if you're having very hard compacted soil it can be hard for those roots to push their way through especially new roots and uh, actually make an establish an overseed another question i would like to see is what seed are you using please tell me you're not putting scott's garbage down when you're overseeing now scott's seed personally i would never use um i know lots of people use it and it's fine but i definitely definitely recommend if you're having all these issues with your lawn um try to find a sod quality seed you could pick it up from your local sod supplier. Um, I believe Green Horizons sod is in your area. You can also pick it up from your local landscape depot. You can go around and talk to, once again, call your conservation authority and ask them what seeds are local to my area. But I would like to see a turf, uh, a turf sod quality seed going down on this lawn, especially if you're having all of these soil. If, the, if it is a soil issue, a, ter a sod quality seed will get you a lot farther as well as having these spotty areas having these shade areas these scots blends uh, are really really scary sometimes with the seed that they're putting in the annual stuff that they're putting in in it so um yes i hope that this helped my friend jack with his quest to uh, fix his lawn uh, i know there was a bit of rambling on here but um, this is what you have to do folks if you are seeing areas in your lawn issues in your lawn um, it, it is a it is a detective game it's time to sit down and use your detective mind and you're gonna have to solve these problems one at a time um, it took me a couple of days looking at this thinking about it before I kind of come up came up with some sort of plan as soon as I started reading it I could come up with ideas about what I thought was going wrong but I still have to get back to my friend Jack, make sure I talk to him about what's going on with his lawn, what's going on with the problems he's having in his lawn and all those things. So without further ado, I hope this helped you, Jack. I will get back to you in email before this episode comes out um, and hopefully we can get everything sorted out. I would love 
to maybe do an update later with hopefully Jack's uh, solution uh, being fixed in his backyard. So without further ado, I think it's time to go to the successes and failures segment. We're going to be talking about a couple of things going on to what we help Jack with here today. All right, so welcome to the successes and failures segment. So this is the segment where I talk to you about successes and failures I've had personally in my lawn and uh, hopefully to help educate you guys so you don't repeat the same issues because lawn care is not about getting everything right the first time. Nothing like in anything in life is. You have to learn from your mistakes, so I want to make sure that I am help teaching you guys what I've learned from my mistakes. Without further ado, first of all, my failure. My failure to do with when I was talking to Jack about grass laying over, uh, varying your mowing patterns. Now, I always knew that you should vary your mowing patterns, and I knew that in my head, and when I would mow with a push mower, uh, I would vary my mowing patterns week after week. And even something as simple as just switching the direction you're mowing. So one week you go up and down, up and down, and then the other week you go left to right, left to right. That's something as simple as that. Or one week you go up and down, and then the next week you shift it over about two feet. Just so those wheel marks are not obviously going in the same spot. One week you go up and down, next week you go side to side, third week you do a diagonals, and then you go back to the up and down. It helps so much with the healthiness and quality of the turf that you have in your backyard. So when I got the riding mower and there is issues with riding mowers and designs with riding mowers that I do have to pick, but using a riding mower can be very difficult, especially with the way that I have to turn around with the striping kit. And my yard, as I said, in certain areas is not made for a riding mower. It, it works with a riding mower, but because of the way that my yard is shaped and because of the way that we like to shape the gardens, it can be difficult to get around with a riding mower. So the issue that I had was I got into this, this kind of funk in 2018 to 2019 where I was cutting the same stripes into the lawn day after day after day and after a significant time of cutting the same stripes in the lawn day after day after day these stripes were looking great they they were looking light and dark and light and dark but then the i had burned in that pattern so hard in the lawn that when i cut in the opposite direction you could still see last week's pattern for a month i could not get that pattern out of the lawn to the point where when my lawn came out of dormancy in the spring you could still see the pattern in the lawn because i had trained the grass i had pulled the grass to lie over because i was cutting the same pattern week after week after week and this is what i like to reinforce do not cut the same pattern in the lawn week after week after week you lie, making the lawn lie over like this is not healthy and this is why you can see like this is why lawns and you can see them will begin to lie over and not stand up straight so this is the importance of varying your mowing patterns and this year um, it was my goal to take on uh, that my mowing patterns needed to be varied as much as possible. I, I took it on personally as my goal to vary my mowing patterns. And 
man, did it ever make a difference. Every every cut, I was doing a different pattern, and my lawn looked healthy and more, much more lush, and everything was standing up straight. Even in the summer, when the heat comes and the lawn has a more of a tendency to lie over, um, it really made an amazing difference. So lesson number one from my failure is vary your mowing patterns. It does make an amazing difference. Now, lesson number two. As I talked about earlier, I have a couple walnut trees around my lawn, and they're not really my favorite trees. However, the trees are natural to the area. And as I said before, walnut trees uh, mess with the pH. They release a hormone out of their leaves that can actually be poisonous to some plants. And when the leaves fall in the fall time, that a hormone is released onto the ground and messes with the pH of the soil. So for years and years and years in the side of my house, I tried to grow grass underneath this walnut tree. And uh, every year in the spring, I would plant new grass seed, which is already a problem in the first place. You can plant grass seed in the spring. It's just not the best thing to do. And it would look amazing. And then as soon as the summer hit, and the leaves started coming off the walnut tree in the late fall. The grass just died. It just straight up died out. The walnut leaves killed everything. And then next year I would go, I don't know what happened and start over. So that was problem number one was me saying, I don't know what happened and just starting over because that's an issue. If you don't know what's happening, what's causing an issue, there's no reason to just start over and assume that the same issue won't happen again. Number two, it is a good thing to think that maybe if you have a lot of issues coming with this tree, we should have done what we were going to do in the first place and just made that area underneath the tree into a garden. And that's what we did this year, and that actually fixed the issue. So maybe not to keep trying to repeat the same mistakes you had before. You sod quality grass seed, plant under the tree as much as you can, and then anything that the seed doesn't grow in, you can turn into a nice garden. And it really does help make a difference so without further ado thank you guys for with listening to the fourth ep- i can't believe we're almost on five episodes of the great green north podcast we're coming up to the springtime and as soon as we get into the springtime when we hit that update segment there's going to be a lot so i'm going to have to talk to you guys about about what's going on in the lawn and everything like that so without further ado uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the great green north podcast we upload this podcast once a week so for those of you who are looking to listen please hit subscribe or rate us five stars on whatever podcast platform you listen on as well as if you'd like to submit a question to the podcast you can contact us on our website greatgreennorthlawncare.ca or you can send an email to us uh, at greatgreennorthlawncare at gmail.com you can also contact us on instagram twitter or through Spotify or Anchor on our podcast platform. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you're staying warm and the lawn season is coming as fast as possible where you are. And uh, we'll talk at you guys next week with more great lawn tips. As always, guys, keep it great. The Great Green North podcast is written and hosted by Wade Murray. Great Green North can be found on YouTube at Great Green North Lawn Care. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and we would encourage you guys to hit subscribe on all any podcast platform that you're on right now. We'll be coming at you every week with weekly episodes of the Great Green North 
podcast. You guys can also subscribe on Anchor for bonus episodes as well as getting episodes one week early for the very low price of $5 a month. And as always, thank you guys for listening and thank you for keeping it green.